We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show. I'm Blair Andrews on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair. My co-host is Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, scoring tremendous player today was a really fun day in the NFL. And I'm just genuinely stoked to have a chance to break this one down. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of big games, a lot of big scores to go over. Really excited to be talking with our guest today. Joining us on the show is Tyler Lochner. Tyler is a contributor here at Rotoviz, and he writes the weekly waiver wire column, which will probably be out first thing tomorrow morning, uh, as well as two DFS columns. You can follow him on Twitter at LochnerNFL. Tyler, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's going great. I'm, I'm always here for Latavius Murray Chalk Week, so uh, <laughs> let's go, let's go. Um, yeah, love the show. Lo- I'm happy to be on it, and um, I'm ready to kind of break down the week. Yeah, uh, actually, before we get into that, Tyler, you write uh, three columns here, Rotoviz, uh, in addition to that weekly waiver wire column, you write two really, really strong DFS columns. Um, do you mind just like, you know, talking to the listeners a little bit about what are the two that you look at and, uh, you know, what what the takeaways can be for them and their uh, leagues and their DFS uh, weeks? <laughs> My dog is sneezing. <laughs> can you guys hear that? Yeah, it's totally fine. All right. Oh, well, good. yeah. I mean, my dog is here. Uh, she loves she loves the DFS too, obviously. Um, yeah. My my piece is I got the weekly waiver wire column on Monday. Um, as any season long player knows, the waiver wire is arguably just as important as the draft. I mean, most most of the time when you end up in the fantasy playoffs, your team looks almost nothing like it did in the draft. I mean, hopefully you kept some of your first couple player first couple round players, but after that, you end up going to the waiver wire. So my piece breaks down. 
um, players that you should be targeting on the waiver wire. For for instance, this year we unsurfaced DJ Chark very early in the season. Um, a couple other guys. I know he's he's probably the biggest one. Um, oh, uh, Terry McLaren as well, obviously. Um, and then that continues throughout the entire year because waiver wire pickups obviously happen all season long. And then my two DFS columns on Thursday morning, I have a um, stats to know piece where I do one DFS stat to know for every game, um, so, uh, the Thursday night game through the Monday night game. Um, I use the tools at Rotoviz. You know, we have got tremendous, tremendous tools. I don't even know how many there are, a couple dozen. Um, and I, I unearth some stats that can be used for DFS there. And they all have great graphics, visuals to go with them too. So if you don't like reading, if you just like looking at pictures, mm-hmm. which I kind of like, um, that's a good column for you. And then on Sunday mornings, I have a primetime slate breakdown. I know there's lots of showdown slate breakdowns out there. Um, I don't see too many primetime slate breakdowns, but the short slates are actually my favorite. I love uh, Sunday night to Monday night slates. I love um, Monday night to Thursday night slates. I love the Thanksgiving slate. I think I'm probably going to do a Thanksgiving piece uh, coming up in a month here. Um, and I think that's kind of where I'm where I'm best at DFS. So uh, I break down the Sunday night to Monday night slate for us here with contrarian plays, chalk plays. I do it from a tournament perspective because when I play these short slates, um, I think it's usually pretty self-explanatory who should be the cash plays. If you follow NFL, you know who the cash plays are. But um, I really like the short slates from a tournament perspective because one or two sharp contrarian plays can vault you from out of the money to in the top 10. Yeah, definitely. That's a lot of amazing stuff going on that you're contributing at Rotoviz, so uh, listeners definitely want to be sure to check that out. Um, let's get right into the first news item. Christian Kirk caught 8 of 11 targets for 79 yards in the Cardinals' week 8 loss to the Saints. He also tacked on 19 yards on one carry. So Tyler Kirk returned to the lineup and immediately led the team in targets. Do you think he should be treated as the locked-in wide receiver one for the Cardinals going forward? Yeah, I think overall the Cardinals are a pretty tricky team to figure out. They have so many weapons, but I do think it's fair to say that Kirk is the wide receiver one there. I know Larry Fitzgerald is is still good. Um, he 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 did his typical thing where he was really good in September and then quickly faded. Um, I think at this point in the season, Christian Kirk is the no question wide receiver one there. In the in the previous four games where he was healthy, he had a 23% team target market share. Uh, which was already tops on the team this week. He had the he had a 33% team target market share. Um, I wouldn't read too much into this week. I think is a little bit of an outlier because David Johnson um, wasn't playing. Chase Edmonds was doing absolutely nothing, um, <clears throat> and and Larry Fitzgerald wasn't doing too much this week. But I think that it's pretty safe to say that Kirk will have about a 25% team target market share there moving forward. Um, really, my 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 problem with him and I loved Kirk coming into the season uh, very hyped about the Cardinals offense overall but my challenge with him is his really yo really low yards per reception he only had 9.9 yards per reception today just in line with his season average he's right at 10 yards per reception so I mean he gets 11 targets he catches eight balls. That's wonderful, but he only gains 79 yards and and he still hasn't scored all year. So there's definitely some, some concerns there. Um, I think he's a pretty safe flex play in PPR leagues. Um, I think you can 
I wouldn't hate him as a low end wide receiver too, but he, he, he just doesn't have a ceiling. You know, he hasn't shown a ceiling there and he only has one catch on the year of over 20 yards. So, um, you know, if you're looking for a player who could maybe break out and do be a, uh, a, a high end wide receiver, fantasy wide receiver two or low end fantasy wide receiver one down the stretch, I'm not sure Kirk is your guy. Uh, but with that said, he is a player that you can plug into your lineups and, you know, you really don't have to worry about it. He's going to get double digit points most weeks. Um, and he should have positive touchdown regression coming soon. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't have those. He just doesn't, doesn't have those big splash plays, which is, is a little frustrating, but, um, I, to answer your initial question, yeah, he's definitely the wide receiver one in Arizona now. Yeah. And I, I do like your point that he's kind of like that low end wide receiver three, more of a flex play ish, if only because it, the schedule doesn't really get easy before they go into the week 12 by they get San Francisco twice. And in between that is Tampa Bay. Uh, I did like your point here about life as Gerald sort of doing the thing in September, then just fading down the stretch. It's a it's a pretty tough, tough scene out there when life as Gerald is uh, being out targeted by Demir Bird. Um, that's uh, that's <laughs> yeah, just no a uh, that's a that's a thing that happened today. Um, to your, you know, just to, <laughs> just to, uh, to get to your point a little bit about like the low yards per reception, it sort of does follow a little bit, uh, and the lack of ceiling, it does kind of build upon itself, if only because we really haven't seen a ceiling from this Arizona Cardinals' offense. They've really been settling for field goals instead of touchdowns in the <laughs> as they get into the red zone, which is um, uh, look, I'm no mathematician, but is seven more than three? Like, you know, it's one of those items. But um, it also kind of hammers home the fact that this is more of a horizontal raid than an air raid. Um, and that's and that's where it is a little concerning and frustrating. Um, I mean, I'll be really, I'll be, uh, I think there'll be a lot more alarm bells if this offense kind of fails against Tampa Bay because everyone's been teeing off on Tampa Bay secondary of late. Even Ryan Tannehill had, what, like two touchdowns today? Three. Three, there you go. I mean, like, that's just like, like, and again, it's there's not like, if you look at the road of his rental schedule streaming, streaming app here, they get San Francisco twice, Tampa Bay once going to the bye, and it doesn't really get much easier out of that. And they've got a like a mixed uh fantasy playoff schedule. So, I, so I do like let Tyler's point that you know, Kirk is uh definitely. Uh, probably more of a he'll give you wide receiver three numbers, even if even if he's valued like a wide receiver two plus. Yeah, I would I would you know, you mentioned the horizontal raid, which is so true and, and and the cap ceiling. I think another thing that kind of caps his ceiling is is the fact that they aren't really throwing it downfield. And when you're not throwing it downfield, there's a whole bunch of guys in the NFL um, who have the ability to get open within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And so what that's doing in Arizona's offense is it's causing um, Kyler Murray to really spread the ball around a lot. There are six different players on Arizona who have double digit um, team target market share percentage um, that I just looked that up in our weekly stats tool. So that's a lot of players seeing at least 10% of the targets. Um, so the ball is really being spread around. I do think Kirk is, is pretty well established in the 20 to 30% range most weeks. So I think he's by far and away the safest player there, but there's a lot of cannibal, uh, a lot of cannibalization in that offense and none of the throws are going that far downfield. Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask about on uh, related to the Cardinals is kind of their running game now that um, Chase Edmonds has this hamstring injury. Um, he says he's hopeful to suit up in Week Nine, but do you think that uh, with both Edmonds and Johnson 
possibly hurt. They might be uh, throwing the ball even more, relying more on the passing game. Um, you know, they're already, as you said, not not pushing the ball downfield. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I gosh, I cannot imagine being a, a Cardinals fan and getting hyped for Zach Zender and Alfred Morris on Thursday <laughs> night. Um, yeah, I it's 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 a it's not a. a it's not a good look for for their running game. I mean, they came in with the, one of the best running backs in the league, and then uh, Chase Edmonds, who has looked like one of the best backups, and now it's it's really shot. So yeah, that's a really good point um, that they might air it out more. I will say, if they're looking for some rushing, uh, maybe maybe Kyler Murray, the the rusher, gets unleashed a little bit um, the next couple of weeks while their running backs get healthy. Speaking of uh, guys who are able to make plays with their legs, Gardner Minshew completed 22 of 34 passes for 279 yards and three TDs in the Jaguars' 29-15 Week 8 win over the Jets. Uh, and he added uh, 31 yards on uh, five carries. Um, you know, Tyler, like the last two weeks were kind of rough for Minshew, uh, and, but he's bounced back in a huge way. Um, uh, on red zone, I saw him, you know, he extended a couple of plays and they turned, he, you know, he tossed touchdowns to Chris Conley and DJ Chark, you know. Has he done enough to hold the job here, even though we've heard the Jaguars are very quick to announce Nick Foles is coming back? And, um, you know, do you think that uh, this is his job, uh, not just for the rest of the season, but also going forward? Yeah, I mean, I love Goatner Minshew. He's he's the man. And I think that um, it's a tricky situation with Foles. I think there's kind of like a curse of, of Nick Foles. Being really, really good, but always kind of having a, somebody else on his team that who's who's a little bit better. Um, you know, we know that Foles is a good quarterback. He had a, a truly, legitimately very, very good Super Bowl run, um, and it wasn't this kind of flash in the pan, Joe Flacco like kind of thing. I mean, a couple of years ago, he threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions one year. So Foles is good. Jacksonville brought him in to be their franchise quarterback, but what Minshew has been doing is pretty. Uh, you, you can't ignore it. So, you know, I, I don't know what the Jaguars will do. I do think that if it were me, I would continue to play Minshew because he's very young. He's already very good. Um, Foles, like I said, I, I, I think more highly of Foles than I think uh, people in general do. But you do kind of know with what you're getting with Foles. You're going to get some really high highs and you're going to get some really low lows. And what we've seen with Minshew is his lows – haven't been um haven't been there that often. I know you just mentioned his his previous couple games have not been the best, but he has been a fantasy quarterback one in four of his first eight starts. That's pending tonight's uh, Sunday night's game and Monday night's game. So he might finish as a high end um, QB two. And then in in three of his other games, he was a, a QB two for fantasy leagues. So Minshew has essentially been startable every single week he's been playing fresh out as a rookie quarterback who wasn't even starting in week one. So I think the Jaguars would be wise to continue to try to develop Minshew. And so with that being said, I, I think Minshew, if you own him in fantasy, I would continue to hold on to him. Say he is your second quarterback and you have a, a bigger name on your team. It might be worth trying to shop the bigger name to see if you can shore up um, wide receiver, tight end running back. I know it's a little risky because you, you have no idea what the Jaguars are going to do with Foles. Like you mentioned, they were quick to announce that he's coming back. So, you know, I can't read their minds, but I think that it's hard not to be impressed with what Minshew has been doing. I mean, being a fantasy QB one in 50% of your first starts as a rookie with the sheer number of very, very good quarterbacks that exist in the NFL right now, 
Um, I, I, just, I think he's he's playing at a high enough level that he has earned the job. Whether or not the Jaguars are willing to um, give it to him remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I agree with pretty much all of that. I think I would definitely rather see um, Jacksonville continue to roll out Minshew. Um, I'm excited for what what he might be able to do going forward. I mean, uh, the Jaguars get one of the easiest quarterback schedules to finish the season. I was I, I was just taking a look at that too, and 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 it's not like he's been performing at an unsustainable pace. So when you look at his strength of schedule the rest of season, and you see that it's it's a relatively easy schedule. I mean, coming into the coming into the week, Minshew has been 24th in expected points per game, but he's been 12th in fantasy points over expectation. So he's performing above expect expectation, but it's not at some like crazy unsustainable pace. So as the schedule gets easier, Minshew could, you know, continue to hit those fantasy QB one numbers over and over and over again. So um, I'm excited for what they have with him. It sounds like you are, too. Um, I, I personally hope hope they stick with him because I, I really like um, calling him Goatner Minshew, but also I like <laughs> watching him play. Yeah, that touchdown strike to like Conley was was kind of cool, but the one where he like like the one that he created out of nothing to get that ball to DJ Chark. If any, if any of you guys were like watch it live or or caught in red zone, if you didn't like try to find the highlight because it was actually legitimately kind of great. And I'm not just saying that because. Uh, uh, we started uh, DJ Chark in a couple of, of, of places. Um, uh, I do like you guys mentioned about the schedule because, you know, they get Houston next week who are who just lost J.J. Watt. So they're losing the defensive pressure a little bit, uh, you know, for that that where you're able to get the quarterbacks a little bit off balance. And also they have a very, very frankly, a pretty suspect secondary. But then out, out, out of the bye, the only tough, um, really tough, like, um, cornerback or like the uh, quarterback matchup is Tennessee and even then today we saw we saw Mike Evans and company kind of tee off on them and I'm not saying that DJ Chark and you know uh, I guess if D.D. Westbrook's okay like those guys are off equivalent caliber as Tampa Bay but it's they're not as fearsome as they were when they start when the season first started yeah and 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 you know you mentioned uh, DJ Chark there a couple times and I obviously he's been very impressive at the beginning of the season and it's kind of just dawning on me now that both him and Minshew are both rookies kind of growing together. So it would be disappointing to see Jacksonville kind of sever that rapport that's been building between the two of them, especially to such young players at such important positions. Um, obviously what they have is, is working. So I, if I were them, I would con- I would continue to stick with it, but they're also paying Foles a whole bunch of money, and and sometimes that matters. Yeah, yeah, and that's the sunk cost fallacy in action right there. If they bring him back and sit Minshew, right? Yeah, I mean it, that it, it definitely is, but it's not like Foles is bad. So I, it, it's a tricky situation that that Jacksonville finds themselves in. It's it, it's not a bad situation having two good quarterbacks on your team. I think a lot of teams out there would would want that. Um, I do think they probably stick with Minshew. Uh, we've seen teams ride hot hands at quarterbacks before, and it's not like Foles has been the face of Jacksonville for long. I mean, he was there for less than one full game. So I do think they continue to ride with Minshew, which is why I would be willing to stick with him in fantasy. Um, but it wouldn't, I would, it would not shock me if Foles was named the starter as soon as he was healthy. I was listening to, uh, catching up on some of the road of his mailbag 
podcast episodes and uh, Sean Siegel was on a recent one and mentioned, um, you know, Minshew not only gives them, like he's not only performing well, but he also gives them <clears throat> Jacksonville like some personality that they haven't had to really uh, form a team around. So there's sort of this, you know, off the field persona that, uh, that I think fans really like. And obviously uh, he's, he's fun to watch and uh, fun to follow. So I think there are even maybe some non-football reasons to kind of prefer Minshew if you are the Jaguars, but we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely a good point. All right, before we get into no shit, shit, no, I want to take a moment to tell you about Harry's. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave hasn't changed much. You don't need to overpay for razors that include flex balls and heated handles. That's why I shop with Harry's razors. They don't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors, and they focus on what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's is a return to the essential quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. Best of all, it's super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on schedule, with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Personally, I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave with an easy glide at a low price. Listeners of the show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to start shaving better today. Now let's get into no shit shit no. First item up, Drew Brees completed 34 of 43 passes for 373 yards, three touchdowns and an interception in the Saints 31 to 9 week eight win over the Cardinals. I will go with uh, no shit. He's Drew Brees and he played the Cardinals. <laughs> Mike Evans caught 11 of 12 targets for 198 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, again, no shit, except next week he'll probably catch one pass for 13 yards. <laughs> Daryl Henderson rushed 11 times for 49 yards in the Rams' 24-10 Week 8 win over the Bengals. No shit, the Bengals are awful against running backs, and Daryl Henderson is definitely healthier than Todd Gurley. Joe Mixon rushed 17 times for 66 yards, and he caught all four of his targets for 11 yards and a touchdown. Shit, no. Joe Mixon has been awful this year. I think he has got four games with fewer than 20 rushing yards. Yeah, I'm not buying this. Do you think that there's a chance this sort of this sort of game? I mean, it wasn't even a great game, but you know, in terms of like his his performance, but he got the touchdown, caught all his targets. Do you think that it might? what he needs to kind of turn his season around it's possible but again we're like you just mentioned we're getting excited about 86 rushing yards and a touchdown um no i I don't (laughs) think he's gonna i don't think he's gonna turn the season around i just don't think the Bengals are a good enough team i don't think they have enough care from the coaches or the front office Uh, i do think joe mixon is extremely good so I, i think he'll have the occasional good week but uh they're gonna be losing every single week you know it's just it's just not going to happen on a consistent enough basis with him for me to trust him in my fantasy lineup. Zach Ertz caught two of four targets for 20 yards in the Eagles' Week 8 win over the Bills. I will go with shit no on this one because Zach Ertz, has, the last few years, we've seen how good he is. The beginning part of this year, he was 
he wasn't popping off like he usually does, but he was one of the most consistent tight ends in fantasy. Uh, the rise of Dallas Goddard has definitely cut into Ertz's usage. Goddard has a touchdown in two straight games. I think three of his last four, some of his targets are ones that Ertz would usually be getting. So there's definitely concern with Ertz there, but he's he's this is going to be one of his worst games of the season. There's no doubt. Cortland Sutton got three of six targets for 72 yards. I don't really know what to make of this one. I'm going to go with no shit because three catches for 72 yards is pretty good. Um, just like Cortland Sutton. Um, he He's now the clear cut number one in Denver. I don't even think Deshaun Hamilton caught a single pass. I might be wrong about that, but um, I actually think this will end up being one of Sutton's most disappointing games. And it wasn't even that, that bad. Rashad Penny rushed eight times for 55 yards in the Seahawks Week 8 win over the Falcons. Shit, no. Rashad Penny sucks, and the Seahawks <laughs> wasted a first-round draft pick. Tevin Coleman rushed 11 times for 105 yards and three touchdowns, and he added two receptions for 13 additional yards and another score. Shit, no on this one for sure, because Coleman is not going to score two touchdowns every week, let alone four. Um, but I, but at the same time, um, Coleman is San Francisco's number one running back. He does have a handful of touchdowns over the last few weeks. Um, I, I do think he's worth starting each week in fantasy leagues, uh, but he might be a little bit touchdown dependent. Yeah, these long touchdowns that he got today, and we saw uh, Mostert have one too, that's something that seems to be like a constant feature of these San Francisco games. I mean, is there something to all these... Uh, all these long touchdowns in this Shanahan offense, or am I just uh, hoping for hoping for more? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think you. I think you're just hoping for more there. They they have happened in recent weeks. Um, I'm thinking back to I think it was like an 88 yard touchdown run from Matt Breida mm-hmm. the other week. But um, there's there's enough data and there's enough data out there to to show that long touchdowns you can't just manufacture them. Like there's definitely some luck involved. So I think the 49ers are running hot right now, which is great for them and and their running game, but um, it's not sustainable. Kenny Stills caught three of five targets for 22 yards in the Texans week eight win over the Raiders. I'll go with shit. No on this one uh, with the caveat that I definitely expected Kenny Stills to do way better with Will Fuller out. Um, Deshaun Watson rocked this game. Um, I think DeAndre Hopkins caught 10 or 11 passes for almost for around 100 yards. So super disappointed to see Kenny Stills catch three of five targets for 22 yards, especially when he was out there running most of the snaps. I don't know his actual snap count for the game, but in previous weeks he was running like 35% of the snaps and he was still um, doing way better than this. So this was a down week for Stills and he's going to bounce back. Thanks for nothing, Darren Fells. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously, two... He's like the master of catching just a few passes, but scoring twice. The holiday rush is coming, and if you sell stuff online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all these orders or decide which shipping carrier to use or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. Uh, you know, No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, and it makes them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. 
ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use our offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shopping. Uh, the holiday shipping, just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Right, ship yeah, my dude. <laughs> Also, want to remind everyone to become a Rotoviz Patreon and gain exclusive access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel, where you can ask questions and gain league-winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Patronships start at just six dollars a month. You can become a Rotoviz patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners. Sign up at Patreon.com/RotovizRadio. Uh, you can also get a listeners-only ten percent discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com/Podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium NFL content and it supports the pod. Uh, plus, for a limited time only, we're offering a two-year RV Radio NFL sub, which includes a 10% discount and complimentary access to Rotoviz Radio Patreon and the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel for the 2019 season. Uh, that's right, get 10% off a two-year subscription and enjoy unlimited access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel. All you have to do is head to rotoviz.com podcast, sign up via the two-year RV Radio subscription, and we'll email you Slack access details within 48 hours. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, moving on to news item number three. David Montgomery pitched in with 135 yards and a touchdown on 27 carries while adding four grabs for 12 yards on five targets Sunday in the Bears' Week 8 loss to Los Angeles. Uh, Tyler, a week after Nagy mentioned he'd like to establish the run, we see Montgomery break out in a big way against the Chargers. Do you think the Bears will continue to use Montgomery in a three-down role? Uh, yeah, I do think that, I mean, honestly, let's be real. Chicago doesn't really have a choice. They don't really have a quarterback right now. <laughs> um, so I think it makes a lot of sense for Chicago using Montgomery as a workhorse more and more throughout the season. Um, I, I don't know if I am... I don't know if I'm ready to call him a true three down back because Tariq Cohen is still so good and it's really hard to completely take touches out of Cohen's hands. Um, but yeah, I mean, Montgomery had more catches than, than Cohen today. He didn't really gain too many yards on them, but seeing him being used in, in, in the passing game is definitely really nice. Um, I actually saw somebody on Twitter this morning say, I can't remember who it was. Actually it might've been someone from Rotoviz. I, I really can't remember, but someone said, um, I bet you David Montgomery's going to have over 30 touches today. And I kind of laughed at it. And then he comes out here and has 31 touches. Um, so I obviously we're not going to get that much volume from Montgomery every week. Coming into week eight, he had just one game with 20 plus touches. Um, but I think that I think that 20 might be a pretty safe uh, expectation for Montgomery moving forward. I mean, Matt Nagy says he's going to establish the run and then he comes out there and he most certainly does establish the run. Um, definitely, definitely a, a tough scene though, for anybody who says, get your running backs 30 touches and you're guaranteed to win though. Cause <laughs> the Bears still lost. Yeah. And the, the, the weird thing about like Nagy. So like 
uh, it's been like a conspiracy theory of mine, but I think it's becoming like pretty evident here that that he's just not. Well, one, he's not a particularly the same genius that we thought he was, but also that double doink back in January has just broken him as a person. Um, they've got like like Tariq Cohen <laughs> had like four touches and he had three targets, the, which was two fewer than David Montgomery. And like so, so here's what they've done: they, the the Bears have decided um, the things that made Mitch Trubisky good, like the ability to scramble and play out of structure. We're not doing that anymore. He's gonna we're gonna force him to actually play like a like a pocket passer, which is as we've noticed, he's very bad at. And and their dynamic receiving or running back, uh, Tariq Cohen, he's just not involved anymore now. Like this is just it's over. Like you know, we they they, they double doinked back in January, and it's clearly it's someone's fault. So we just might as well not play the playmakers. I can't, um, you know, I I can't uh, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I'm 99% sure in the double doink game they barely used Tariq Cohen. Like for correct. some reason they like barely gave him the ball in that game too you are correct they used Taylor Gabriel a lot they gave him uh, a, a whole bunch of, I, I I'm gonna say over under it was like probably eight it was probably and I would probably go over on that but um uh I I can look it back up but yeah it, what really is weird to me is Nagy's insistence in pretending that Mr. Bisky isn't who he was last year and and that's like just uh just just wild because if you were to use Mitch Trubisky's biggest asset, which is his athleticism, because he's actually a very good athlete, you probably have something like an athletic Blake Bortles, which, again, people think of Blake Bortles as this guy who was good at rushing. No, he, he ran like a chicken. He was not very athletic. He was not very fast. He just was running a lot because he's not good at throwing the football. At least Mitch Trubisky is fast at running. It's kind of like a lesser Josh Allen or a, or a way lesser Lamar Jackson kind of. And he like like Nagy's decided we're not going to do the layup throws. We're going to make him try to do all these throws that are difficult for like really good NFL quarterbacks. I, I I don't know. I'm not I'm not like it's just really weird that that the Chicago Bears decided to just throw whatever worked out the window and go with what they're doing now. And it's losing in humiliating fashion to like one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah. Well, it, it to make matters worse, they have to go out there and watch highlights of Deshaun Watson, like basically being sacked, getting poked in the eye, fixing his helmet mid play and still finding somebody and throwing a touchdown <laughs> and then realizing that they traded up um, to take Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes and Mahomes. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then that's not even talking about the best quarterback in the NFL, Mahomes, too. Just so embarrassing. Just yeah, and it's just like at this point, what do you what do you do? And then they also trade up for Montgomery, and this is they finally got him going, and they signed Cordero Patterson again, which is like just a bigger Tariq Cohen, and they're not using him as much either. So it's like like you're just throwing like money down, like out like the, down the drain. And didn't didn't Ryan Pace also win GM of the year last year? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. That. I don't know. He might have because Chicago was kind of a surprise team. Yeah. Um, from a fantasy perspective, though, I mean Montgomery's usage is definitely, um, it's definitely a really a good thing to see. And Chicago, their best chance of winning probably is to have um, to simplify things for Trubisky, run when they can. Um, so I, I do think that I would trust Montgomery as a tail end RB two right now, and I would say that he has room to go up from there. Yeah, and, and here's where it gets kind of. Uh, kind of tricky if only because we're gonna side ourselves and start resigning to ourselves as David Montgomery the cash play if this can this kind of usage continues uh, they get Philadelphia next week but from week 10 on they get a very soft schedule they have Detroit they have uh, uh, the Giants uh, Detroit again Dallas Green Bay and KC like Green Bay and KC are both 
games that are played in weeks 15 and 16, a.k.a. the fantasy playoffs. So he's kind of a guy you want, especially given that both uh, Green Bay and Kansas City are known to give up just crazy amount of yards to to on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Looking at it now, I'm looking at that now, too. And it looks like moving forward, they have the fifth easiest schedule for the rest of the season, um, which is running from for running backs. That's really nice. And then in the fantasy playoffs themselves, they have the they have the third easiest schedule. So if you can make it to the fantasy playoffs with Montgomery and and he's a 20 touch guy, um, you should be in really good shape. Um, Kyle Allen uh, completed 19 of 37 passes for 158 yards, zero touchdowns, and three interceptions. The Panthers is 51-13 Week 8 loss to the Niners. Tyler, you know this horrific performance from Allen uh, could potentially expedite Cam Newton's return timeline. You know he, Newton took a few practice shots for the game today, but he hasn't yet really started practicing or practicing in full at all. Like there's been no positive news on 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 that front at all. You know, do you think Newton returns next week against the Titans or is it like Kyle Allen time yet again? Yeah, so I have kind of mixed feelings about this. Um, on the one hand, I want everybody who thinks that um, Cam Newton should not be Carolina's starter to delete your Twitter account. Um, and then on the other hand, I I actually kind of don't want Cam to come back next week only because the Titans have a legit good defense. Um, Newton has been hobbled since the preseason. I think it was kind of a funky tackle in their week two or three preseason game against the the Patriots, um, where he where he heard it and then he was he never came back to full strength. He did this kind of weird video interview or he released some weird video of his on YouTube where he was talking about his injury and he's like, Yeah, I'm not coming back until I'm fully healthy. He was talking about how he rushed it back. So for his sake, I hope he doesn't rush it back because he is, he's probably been maybe other than Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, he's probably been the best fantasy quarterback of the, of the decade. Um, and, and he still has it. Um, I know he was disappointing the first two weeks. He did not meet his fantasy points, his expected fantasy points, but, um, his expected fantasy points were 19.35 points per game, which, and now those were for the first two weeks of 2019. And if you look at his 2018 stats, when he had a strong fantasy season, he was his expected points was in that 19.5 range. So his first two bad games this year, he still had equivalent expected points compared to previous seasons when he's been performing well. And then you look at Kyle Allen's expected points and he's only at 15. So I, I think that as soon as Cam is fully healthy, I think he should return. I do not think the Panthers should rush it back. They're four and three. Um, they're in a good spot. Losing another game would hurt, but it wouldn't cripple their season. And, you know, it's not like they're three and five right now. And, and like I said, the Titans have a, a good defense and I would just be worried about uh, Newton getting re-injured. They held Tampa to 23 points. I think Tampa was the first team to score over 20 points against them all season. Um, coming into this week, they had 19 sacks in seven games. I don't know how many they had um, this week, but um, essentially they're a team that gets to the quarterback. They don't allow a lot of points. They're a tough defense. And I would just be nervous of, of a not fully healthy camp getting re-injured there. And there's really no reason the Panthers can't just give the ball Christian McCaffrey 672 times next week and just wait for Newton to come back fully healthy. Yeah, that's a good point. Not ideal to have Newton coming back in against Tennessee, especially since, uh, the week 10, 
well, actually, week 11 looks like the ideal matchup. They get one of the easier quarterback schedules down the stretch, starting with Atlanta. But, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I have selfish reasons for wanting Newton to come back just because it looked like early in the season we were going to see breakouts from DJ Moore and maybe even from Curtis Samuel as well. Like, they could both have ended up, uh, you know, possibly top yeah. 24 wide receivers or top 36. But, um with Kyle Allen, it doesn't look like that really is happening. I mean, they've both been pretty disappointing. I think uh, Curtis Samuel had 11 targets today and Moore had nine, and neither of them really did anything with those targets. So just I'm from curious, that perspective. Yeah, I think Newton returning would definitely be a boon to those guys. But what do you think What do you think Newton returning would do to McCaffrey? Um I know McCaffrey was awesome last year too with Newton, but like, do you think maybe they would use him less? Newton would throw it downfield a bit more because I haven't really fully thought of that. So I don't know if I have an answer, but you know, McCaffrey's been scoring like an ungodly amount of fantasy (laughs) points each week. Right. Um, And Newton would probably steal some goal line carries. So uh, what do you think that would do to McCaffrey? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when, um, when Newton first got injured, and Kyle Allen took over, really McCaffrey's scoring didn't change that much, um, right? He had been awesome in in the couple games yeah. Newton played. So uh, it's possible that, you know, he could, Newton could come back and he could still be, you know, as, as great as he's been. Because um, it's not like he's taking targets away from these other guys. I mean, it's not like Moore and Samuel aren't getting targets they were each targeted you know an you know 20 targets yep. between the two of them but only caught nine passes and uh combined for less than 100 yards so i guess what you're hoping is just that the offense is a lot more efficient with newton and uh can you know put up more points which helps helps mccaffrey Everybody, too yeah yeah uh, yeah it's a good point I did want to go back to the point that you made tyler about like the titans defense being this good so their pass rush is very good, and the 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 Panthers' O line is very bad. <laughs> and you know, for a guy who's coming off of this rank injury, it sounds like a recipe that's not great. I mean, you know, just just one man's opinion. But um, <laughs> I was I was gonna say a little bit like I, I believe Dory Jackson missed today, and and that was one of the one of the one of the uh, softer spots in this defense. But again, like the, the pass rush is pretty is pretty brutal. And, and like you said, like you can just try and hand off the ball a little bit, you know, get use more like Christian McCaffrey, maybe game plan a little bit differently. I don't know if you want to risk re-injury there for for Cam, especially if the schedule is pretty soft down the down the stretch going forward. Um, I was going to say it is kind of fascinating seeing the kind of uh, that Carolina hasn't really shied away from, you know, trying to use and deploy DJ Moore and, and Curtis Samuel as you think they were like Samuel is like an air yards god kind of like unrecognized just not really him and Kyle Allen unfortunately haven't really connected as of yet um so would you be like uh, you know with uh, I believe the trade deadlines in most redraft leagues are soon like what would you be looking to trade to try and get some of these uh, some Carolina uh, receivers or um you know I'm, I'm trying to look at their uh, fantasy playoff schedule here from weeks 13 on and it looks like they've got like the fourth easiest schedule 
from week 13 on so like you know just looking ahead they get washington atlanta indianapolis like so what what would you try and like trade to make sure in the event that we think gam is coming in what what would you be offering or looking to offer here yeah that's it that's uh that's an interesting question um funny you know funny enough the first person who really comes to mind is um is christian kirk i think i would probably be willing to trade christian kirk straight up for either one of those guys um especially with yeah, Newton's impending return. I don't, I, maybe that's, I, I don't know it's, if that's fair value, but I, I do think that um, I would, I think right now, I think a lot of people would hit accept on that. They would see Kirk's recent um, targets. They would see he came back healthy. He's the number one receiver in Arizona, like we just mentioned. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a sell high on Kirk because he hasn't scored any touchdowns, um, but he's kind of, he's kind of the player that, um, you know, like we mentioned, he's a he's a very solid flex guy. Um, you could do worse as a wide receiver too, but he's not a great wide receiver too. And that's really all you're going to get out of him. You know, he's not gonna he's not gonna do much more than that. I think we're halfway through the season now. We've seen um, what Arizona's offense is going to look like. It's just not going to be it's going to be spread out decently well. It's not going to be that far downfield. So I would be looking to trade for a guy like. Um, like one of these Panthers receivers who does have a higher ceiling uh, easily in their range of expectations. Like Blair was mentioning, coming into the season, we had really high hopes for these players. And it's not that they're not good. It's just that their situation has changed. So I would be looking to trade someone like Kirk, who you know is a solid weekly starter. He's fair trade bait, but he's not going to individually win you any weeks. Whereas somebody like Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore, they could have a pop-off week and you could win the game simply because they had a good one. Yeah, definitely. The time to make a move like that would probably be now before uh, Kirk has two games against San Francisco over the next three weeks and then his bye. So, yeah, if you're looking to to make a move like that, I think that that's a pretty good strategy for the weeks coming up. Especially if you're like in line to make the playoffs. I mean, Atlanta, playoffs, week 14, come on. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I do think that's a really interesting point. That if you, if you're, we're halfway through the regular season, but we're more than halfway through the fantasy season, and if your team is looking like you've got a pretty strong chance of making the playoffs, then now's the time to trade for players who might have easy playoff schedules or who, um, or who are breakout candidates for one reason or another for the second half of the season and now's the time to do that because you're not assuming that much risk anymore because your team might might be sitting pretty like say you're six and two or something like that at this point you can probably afford a gamble like that all right that'll do it for this edition of the fantasy football report special thanks to our guest tyler lochner be sure to follow him on twitter at lochner nfl please remember to rate and review the road of his radio channel on apple podcasts and subscribe to our patreon For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.